Welcome to Systemize Your Success. I'm Dr. Steve Day. Today, I want to talk about a subject that comes up time and time again in our coaching sessions. That is specifically, when should you hire your first assistant or virtual assistant? Now, this is not just for solopreneurs hiring the first person they're going to work with, but also for some established clients who have got existing in-house teams who are branching out and going remote or virtual for the first time. The fears and the reservations seems to be similar in both groups of people. And today I want to get dig into that to actually give you my insights after helping hundreds of business owners overcome these fears and barriers and see a whole light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, and a whole different way of working. Once you've got over these barriers and started working with remote workers, it completely changes the prospects you have for growth in your business. So the question is this, how do entrepreneurs like us who don't have an endless supply of cash, how do we leverage the best apps, virtual assistants, automation tools and systems to scale our businesses, increase our profits and have more time to do what we love to do each day? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dr. Steve Day and this is Systemize Your Success. Okay, so today's all about hiring a virtual assistant, specifically when should you hire your first assistant? And this comes from actually a conversation I had with a couple of our clients this week. And they were both actually from established businesses. Both these clients already have staff. One has one member of staff and the other one has three or four members of staff, all in-house based in an office. And they're both at this stage of hiring their first virtual member. This virtual member or remote worker is the idea for, for both of these people and very commonly for when I work with clients is this person is going to help them by taking over some admin from themselves as the business owner or from their key members of staff to free up some time to allow people to elevate themselves into higher value roles or just to actually gain some time freedom back for the business owner to focus on health and family and and, and fun stuff or actually to have more time to focus on business strategy and leadership. Also, these people are often involved in the documentation of processes and creating systems. So it's that sort of admin role. It's a non-specific. It's not hiring somebody, you know, necessarily to like build a website or anything. We're talking about just really hiring some help, some admin help, some support for both doing work and also, as I said, documenting the work that's already done um, in the business. And there seems to be some fear about this, about when is the right time to do this? Some of the questions and challenges I often hear are, are like, um, how will I know that I've got enough work for them to do? Like, what happens if I don't have enough work for them? Or, you know, I, I'm really unsure about how to manage someone remotely, or how do I find someone good? Um, there's, there's so many questions that come up time and time again that seem to all rest on the fact that this is the first time the company or the, the business owner has gone virtual. They're used to sort of seeing someone in the flesh, so to speak, shaking them by the hand, looking them in the eye. And this fear of, of working with somebody who they can't sort of they can't actually get close to, they can't actually have a, a normal sit-down conversation with, so to speak, um, seems to put some sort of worry and uncertainty into it. And that's understandable, but also I think it's uh, not unjustified or uh, um, unfounded, I should say, sorry, because actually my experience has been that working with people remotely has just as many challenges as working with people 
from um, work in, in a home office or working with someone um, locally. And similarly, it has the same advantages, but more so in fact, because actually you can get someone far more affordable, you're opening yourself up to a far bigger job market with people that actually are desperately looking for work and really keen to be unmotivated to, to do brilliant work so you can have a long-term career. I'm not saying that doesn't exist if you're hiring locally, I just think there is a abundance of people globally who are desperate to actually work for a good company like yours. So with that said, what are the key things that we, I believe that uh, should push you over the edge? So to actually take this first step in hiring somebody if you've not already done so. And so one of the things you've got to realize is that when you are working with people remotely, it, it is slightly different from when you're working with someone in-house. So you're gonna have a learning curve, you're gonna make mistakes, you're gonna work out how things are going to work, how are you gonna manage this person, how are you gonna delegate work to them, um, how are you going to give feedback to them? Doing that all remotely, using apps like Zoom on a regular basis, you know, using task management apps about where you're going to hire this person from, how are you going to um, onboard them, how are they going to give access to your app so they can do the work for you, um, how are you going to make sure they're doing their time, they're tracking their time correctly, they're not you know, fleecing you. So all of these things are going to happen if you hire somebody full-time, 40 hours a week, if you hire a team of people, 20, 20 people at once, or you hire a part-time remote worker, a virtual assistant for a couple of hours a week. Now, the thing is, if you do the latter and hire someone just on a ad hoc basis, on a very, you know, a, a light touch, so to speak, you haven't got to then spend hours and hours thinking about all the work you're going to give them. You haven't got to manage all that work you're giving them, give them feedback on it, review the work, all these things, all these challenges that come when you hire your first assistant. You're dealing with that on a much smaller scale. So you can then focus your time and energy on all that other stuff I mentioned, as in how you're going to run your meetings, how you're going to give feedback, how you're going to pay them, how you're going to share access. So all of those challenges are still going to be there. So you might as well do that on a small scale without overwhelming yourself on all fronts. So you get those bits right. And then when you want to then scale up the number of hours this person or a team of virtual people are, are doing, that you've got these foundational pieces in place so that it runs much more smoothly. Now, I kind of did it this way and kind of didn't. So I sort of did a hybrid model at the very beginning. I actually had someone through an agency. Um, I didn't really have any processes in place. I was giving them a couple of hours a week and uh, never using up my allowance. I then had someone full time and went the other way and didn't have anywhere near enough work for them. And so they basically were twiddling their thumbs and leaving. And I was sort of making up work for them to do. And so I think there's a middle ground. And that middle ground, I believe, is to go out and hire somebody yourself. There's loads of episodes on this podcast about our recruitment hiring process and how we do that systematically. So check those out. And um, if you want a guided approach to actually hiring someone remotely and then onboard them again, there's episodes on this podcast all about onboarding. So onboard them into your company in the best way you know now and start managing them, ideally using a task management app. Again, we discussed that in other episodes and this will allow you to go through all the the uh, the learning curve, all the make all the mistakes, overcome those initial hurdles and barriers and all the rest of it to learn the skills that you need to then be able to work really effectively with remote workers and benefit from the fact that you can actually find brilliant people at a fraction of the cost of finding them locally. Actually, as I said before, you can find an abundance of really motivated people that desperately want to work for a great company, and if you can give them 
your continuous work and good management, etc. They're, they're going to be with you uh, loyal. They'll be loyal with you and they'll be with you for, for life. So overcoming these initial hurdles has huge benefits on the other side. I think one of the other things that comes up time and time again is this um, fear of, you know, how will I know that they are actually doing the work? They're not just fleecing me. They're not just like on Facebook checking their messages because, you know, they're working remotely because I have no control. And I'd argue that unless you're going to sit there and stand over your employees, that you don't know actually what your in-house staff are doing or if they're working in the same country as you, but not in the same office. Like, unless you're going to sit and micromanage them the whole time, you don't know what anyone in your company is doing. It just the fear seems to be amplified when you really can't see and you think that that person could then be taking the mickey. But like with people who work locally, you'll have people that do that and they take advantage and really just want to sit around and get paid for doing nothing. And people that even given the opportunity wouldn't dream of taking the mick and doing all those things because they want to prove themselves. They want to be promoted. They want to not get fired. They want to have a, a career for life. And it's not a case of they're going to do it because they're remote or they're not going to do it because they're, they're, they're local. It's about actually finding people with a good value set that wouldn't do that no matter where they live. And as long as you, when you, when you get that idea in your head, then your recruitment process, your hiring system, your interview process, your hiring on values and making sure people, um, you, know, you have a good relationship with your staff, you manage them effectively, you're fair with them, you know, you build this, uh, a layer of trust or a, 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 a situation of trust between you, then that those fears will dissipate. But also, hopefully, they are totally unfounded because those things don't happen if you do all those things. If you hire somebody, you ignore them, you don't give them work on time, you know, or you, you get shirty with them when you, know, you haven't given them work for three weeks and you give them some work and then you get annoyed because they don't do it immediately. Or like you just, if you're just a normal human, nice person and do these things to build up a trusting relationship, then those things won't happen. If you don't do that, then yeah, maybe they will. And I'm not saying that, you know, you've got, that there's no way that somebody would never take the mick uh, and, and try to, to um, you know, bend the rules a bit here and there. Employees do that generally. Like now and again, they'll add a few extra minutes here and there. And you know, I've been an employee. I've also uh, my wife's an employee. You know, she might go for a, a a run on a lunch when she should be really you know uh, doing some work, or she'll take a meeting when she's walking around the block, and then she'll come back. She'll make up the hours, but she won't work specifically within the remit of what she was meant to do, so to speak. So um, there are people that bend the rules, and then there's people that break them. And you've got to just accept that, as I said, it doesn't matter where people are, you'll find good people and you'll find bad people. So if that's the mindset you go in with, then you'll actually go and find the people that actually do have the good values match. Um, and then hopefully those fears will not come to fruition. And there's lots of things you can do as well to actually monitor these things. So if you are worried about that, there's great apps out there nowadays. You can monitor activity, screenshots. You can see what apps people are logging into. You can track them continually. If you want to do all that, it's all there for the taking and at very low cost as well. So there are options to make it incredibly difficult for somebody to do anything but sit there and work. There's facial recognition, logging in, logging out. So people can't pass work over, for example, to somebody else to do for them. And there's like location, uh, uh, geolocation, so that the person has to be sat at their desk in their home and they have to log in with their camera, like, or they can even do it throughout 
different times throughout the day to actually prove that they are sat in front of their computer. You can even, if you really want to have webcam pictures of the person as they're working. So there's loads of things you can do. I'm not advocating all those things. I'm just saying there's loads of things you can do to overcome maybe the initial fears that you possibly have, which is holding you back from just getting started. Now, one of the things I wanted to address is probably the, the, the second biggest challenge that people have. I mentioned it before, which is about not having enough for people to do. So the, or when, when is the right time? When do I know I've got enough work for people to do? And what I say to our clients is that, you know, when you're thinking about hiring somebody, it doesn't matter if they're based locally or, or remotely, but you, you obviously you're hiring them to fulfill a need in your business. If you don't have a need to hire somebody, don't hire them. But if you've identified that your existing team is overworked or that you want to put more energy and time into creating systems and documenting your work, um, you feel that actually you could, with some more admin support, get more done. If these are the sort of signals you're feeling and uh, you feel, therefore, there is justification for hiring somebody, then it's just a case of actually pulling the uh, trigger and doing it. There's some things you can do to prepare yourself. So when that person arrives, you've got to work for them, of course. And I'm going to talk about that now. Um, but actually overthinking it and procrastinating about it and putting it off will just not will just um, allow you to not put the things in place you need to give them the work. Now, let me explain. So really simply, if you go and start hiring somebody today, you know they're going to start in two weeks and you're going to be paying them you're going to be much much higher, uh, more, more incentivized to actually start thinking about, right, what the hell are they going to do and start actually recording some work and, and delegating work ahead of them arriving, hopefully. If you don't ever pull the trigger and actually start the hiring process, that incentive isn't there. And so you can sit and procrastinate and say, oh, I've not got enough for them to do. I've not got enough for them to do. And that continues while you're still feeling overwhelmed. Your staff are overtasked and you're not getting all the admin done or you're not getting the systems created all along you just pull that trigger and actually start the hiring process would fix that problem. So when you do decide that, yeah, now is the right time, we are feeling some stress here, it would be good to have someone support. Really simple thing you can do is to pick some easy tasks that you do each day, month or week, uh, each day, week or month, sorry. Next time you do them, hit record. So you've got just a video of that task being done. Once you've got a couple of hours worth of videos actually work, so an hour a day or a couple of hours a day, then go and hire somebody hire them on a ad hoc basis, hire them on a part-time basis, five hours a week, an hour a week, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Because as I said before, when you hire somebody, there's so many things you're gonna learn, so many skills you're gonna gain just from going through that hiring, that onboarding and that management process, that even if it doesn't work out, even if that person leaves after you know a few months because you haven't really managed to pick up the amount of work that you could give them at that time, you will come up off the back of that infinitely more skilled and infinitely more ready to take on somebody properly the next time. And that is exactly what I did. I messed up so many times in the beginning before I created all my systems and my recruitment process and my onboarding system and my uh, staff management systems, and my task matrix systems, all the rest of it. Before I created all that, I just winged it. And I messed up so many you know, relationships with people because I didn't have a process for managing them. I didn't do one-to-ones with them. I didn't give them feedback properly. I didn't delegate effectively using things like the didact model, which I discussed in other episodes as well. And so it was just me sort of like saying, hey, can you do this? And getting really frustrated when they didn't do it right. But that's how I learned the skills that I now help other people do. If I'd never taken that leap of faith, I wouldn't have ever got there. 
And simply by the fact you're listening to this episode, if you've gone back and if you haven't done already, go back and listen to the previous episodes and you'll be way, way further ahead than I ever was because all the knowledge and skills that I've learned over seven years of doing this, or eight years of doing this, whatever it is now, I've put into this, ep- I've put into this podcast. And so you going through this or reading some books about it before you get started will put you leagues ahead of where I was. And I might made it successful in the end, but you can make it successful first time if you do a little bit of groundwork, if you do a little bit of prep. And therefore, when they do arrive, you have got some work to give them. You are communicating with them effectively. You manage them effectively. And so therefore, they actually know what they're meant to be doing. You don't get frustrated because they actually get it right first time rather than, you know, going back and forth and back and forth and you think feeling it'd be just quicker and easier to do it yourself. Instead, if you do a little bit of prep work, you get ready for them to arrive. You've got some recorded tasks. means they can crack on with some stuff. And once they're there, you've got this incentive to then give them more and more work because they're there and you're paying them, they're available. And this is the key, that until you have somebody sat there waiting to take this work off you, there's no incentive for you to spend the time in recording you know, uh, the how-to videos or creating operation manuals to delegate that work to them. But it, because if you don't have someone to delegate the work to, you're just creating extra work for yourself. So creating an operation manual for the sake of creating an operation manual is a not even a labor of love, it's insanity. Unless you have an end game for yourself, this is, of creating the operation manual to hand over the work to somebody else, then, then there is no point in doing it. And you might as well do that at the same time so that every time you document something, you hand it over and it frees up your time and that incentivizes you so much to keep going. Because once you start gaining back a few minutes here, a few minutes there, an hour a day, two hours a day, three hours a day, your life changes because suddenly you now have the time and headspace to be the leader your business needs you to be, to be you know the husband or the wife that your partner needs you to be, and to be the father or mother of the kids that your kids need you to be. And that's the truth of it. And that's my story of going from working 16, 17 hour days to then actually choosing when and how and where I work. It started with me hiring my first assistant, messing it up, learning from my mistakes, delegating the task badly, getting better, getting better. And suddenly the snowball sort of gets to the top of the hill and starts rolling down the other side. And that is when it all changes. So my big take home from this is don't keep procrastinating about hiring an admin assistant. The sooner you actually pull the trigger and start that hiring process, the sooner you'll take it seriously and start thinking about what can I really delegate to this person? Do some prep work before you start. Listen to some of these podcast episodes and then start recording some tasks. So when they arrive, they've got something to do from day one. And then as soon as they arrive, concentrate your efforts on manage that person effectively to build a trusting relationship and to hand over as much work as possible, as quickly as possible, so that you free your time to then have more time to create more systems or to be the leader or all these other things I've just mentioned. So the big take up on this is, when is the right time to hire an assistant? As soon as you feel you could do with a bit more time each day, that is the moment you should think, I need to hire an assistant because I'm currently doing lower value tasks than my worth if I can offload my 5, 10, 20, 25, 30, $50 tasks, I'll elevate, elevate myself up to my 100, $200, $500 tasks. That is when you actually start making profit in your business rather than just being bogged down doing admin all day long. Thanks so much indeed. It's been Systemizer Success. 
If you have liked this episode, please do share it with your friends and colleagues, leave a comment or just like it if you're listening to this on social media uh, or please leave a rating if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app. All right, take care. See you next time. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to this episode. I'm well aware there are hundreds of great business podcasts out there and you chose to listen to this one. And for that, I am truly grateful. Hopefully what you heard today took you one step closer to building a successful business so you can share your passion with the world and serve an ever-growing number of people. If you got value out of today's episode, then so will someone else you know. By sharing with others what has helped you along your way, you will grow your influence and be the guy or girl that everybody wants to know. So please hit the share button right now and also remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. It's impossible for me to cover absolutely everything in these podcasts. So please do head over to systemizeyoursuccess.com right now and download the show notes, transcriptions and some of my best frameworks and systems for free. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of this amazing community. Until next time, this is Dr. Steve Day and you've been listening to Systemize Your Success. Your Success.